Inbound, of course, is finally over for another year. You're listening to my day four recap of Inbound 2017, just about two weeks after the conference that is not a conference officially ended. This episode is the last in a series of Inbound 17 pop-up episodes where I recap some of the highlights every single day. Why has it taken me two weeks to do the final pop-up? Well, um, not really sure. Went to New York for a week or so, back in Sydney, just trying to catch up with all the, the work I needed to catch up on whilst I was in inbound. So finally got my chance to record this final pop-up episode. I want to first start and thank first and foremost each and every person who tuned in to the show during Inbound and of course this episode as well. I also want to give a shout out to all the people I met, old friends, new friends like Stephanie Castevens who debuted at Inbound 17 as a speaker. Congratulations, Steph. Um, the YouTube influencer, Salma Jaffrey, who I literally just bumped into like I was talking to someone else and I physically literally just bumped into her. And I mean, that's what's so great about Inbound. You just meet people. And I especially want to thank my good friend Ian Jacob, who a lot of you know as half of the Hub Shots podcast. We spent a lot of time together at Inbound. And for me especially, I was always running late to a lot of the keynotes in the morning because I was preparing my pop-up episodes. And Ian was always there to save me a seat, so I never had to get up early for anything. Thank you, Ian. Really appreciate it. Final shout-out goes to Aaron Boatland and his wife. Aaron runs a call center company in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Aaron, when you said to me that every time when you refresh your podcast app and my podcast comes up and that makes you happy, man, you can't understand how much that means to me. As a as a you know producer of content, that means a lot. I really do appreciate it, guys. Okay, fine. Enough of the deep and meaningfuls from me. Um, did you guys see my music video, by the way, Inbound Thrift Shop? So essentially, it was a ripoff of Macklemore's Thrift Shop, if you know that popular song. And I did it with my own lyrics about Inbound and um, did it in a music video. So if you want to learn more about Inbound and the Inbound event, you can do so in song form. And I had so much fun doing it. And it didn't hurt that Brian Halligan, co-founder of HubSpot, shared it with his entire management team. That was awesome. And if you want to check it out yourself, just Google Inbound Thrift Shop. It will come up as the first YouTube, it will come up as the first search and you can have a chuckle at my expense. Now, just quickly, I want to share some results. Like, you know, this is a marketing podcast. So let's look at the, I guess, the marketing imperative of all this. Now, I mean, not groundbreaking viral by any effect, but still pretty good for me personally. So on YouTube, there were 3,300 views in, you know, well, as of today. And I think most of those were during that week at Inbound. Facebook, uh, 17, over 1,700 rather. And LinkedIn was just crazy. Like, it just goes to show you've got to try different mediums. LinkedIn was over 27,000 views, 83 likes, 18 comments. And, I mean, essentially what I did was, so the video itself, I almost didn't do it. It came through on Friday morning, the Friday I was flying out of Sydney at 1.30 in the morning. I had a flight at 7.30 that day. And over the weekend at uh, in Boston, I essentially kind of did a bit of a tactical plan. So a couple of things that I did, I on Twitter, so I knew Inbound17 had already started to trend as a uh, you know hashtag. So on Twitter, you can actually you know run an ad and leverage off 
a hashtag. You know, it's no point trying to create your own hashtag, but if there's an event or there's there's you know something, some sort of you know event or activity or news thing that um, is relevant to your personas, then by all means you can kind of hijack it. On Twitter, you can run ads. And you can, you know, promote it to uh, certain interests, keywords, and of course, hashtags as well. So I did that and I, I tested two things and I kind of, you know, knew what the results were going to be, but you don't always, so it's good to test two things. I tested two ads. One was just a static ad with uh, a screenshot of the video clip with Inbound Thrift Shop. And another thing that I did was because on because I actually wanted to challenge a channel everyone to the YouTube video. And sometimes you want to do that, right? So what I did was I created a GIF. Now, if you run YouTube, there is a really, really cool um, uh, Chrome extension called TubeBuddy. Now, one of the things you can do in this you know, tool set that is called TubeBuddy is create animated GIFs. It's this Chrome extension. And I'll go back to some of the other features in a second. But with this extension, you can load up your YouTube videos, pull out a segment of that video, and you can convert that to essentially an animated GIF. So then you've got your video in animated GIF form. Obviously, it won't have any audio. But for my purpose uh, on Twitter, I can actually upload an animated GIF and it'll be animated. And my whole idea was to channel people to the video so they can see the rest of it. Creating animated GIFs isn't the only thing that TubeBuddy does. That's only one very small feature of its tool set. But it's this great tool. If you ever upload YouTube videos or you do so regularly, um, you can create your video, upload your video, and it will help you with a bit of a checklist. It will help you have the optimal SEO, I guess, you know, YouTube SEO friendly title the right tags to use, um, make sure you have a thumbnail, and a bunch of other YouTube best practices you should follow every time you upload a video to make sure as many eyeballs as possible see the thing. And that worked really, really well. So on Facebook, I ran Facebook ads, of course, and I boosted it to the greater Boston area. I obviously used some key interests like inbound, digital marketing, caused my First thing was I want to get the people in the area excited. I was launching this whole thing at Inbound 17. I knew they would be it would be a relevant audience. Hopefully I'll get some virality and hopefully they'll share it. Now, interestingly enough, the Facebook campaign didn't perform nearly as well as um, the Twitter campaign did. For Inbound specifically and specifically in the Boston area, Twitter was where most of the engagement happened. So that makes sense. LinkedIn was just the left field one. I mean, that was crazy. 27,000 views. I didn't even promote that, but it just goes to show building, uh, connecting with the right people on LinkedIn, people in a particular industry, syndicating some content goes a long way. But the other thing to keep in mind is I've mentioned a few episodes back is LinkedIn video is going gangbusters. Anytime a platform has ever pushed video, they always reward the early adopters. So LinkedIn is definitely where it's at. Build your community, start promoting it. Uh, actually, you can't promote it on LinkedIn at the moment. You can only upload a video as a person, not as a company page. So you can't run ads on that at the moment. But I know that is coming. Now, one of the questions I've been asked is, yeah, you know, people have said, Moby, look, it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. But why did you do it? For me, it's quite simple. It's a personal brand building exercise by and large. Sure, of course, at the same time, also it supports and builds the agency. There was Red Panda's logos discreetly kind of positioned around the place. But by and large, it was, a, I guess, you know, edutainment. That's, you know, entertainment and education, if you haven't heard that one before. It was the edutainment piece of content. 
And for me, it's, it's no sort of secret for those who know me. Um, my long-term plan is to write a book, um, slowly but surely grow my speaking career and have that as my sunset career. So it aligned, right? It worked for me. And it was a fantastic experiment in trying to identify what would resonate with a particular persona group and executing. So yeah, that's why I did it. Okay, let's get on to inbound day four. So day four, like every other major day of inbound, started with a big keynote, big spotlight keynote, if you want to call it that. And it was by a gentleman called Ed Catmill. Now, most of you won't know Ed, but you know his work. Ed is a co-founder and president of Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios. So think Toy Story, Finding Nemo, um, Up, this guy is behind it. Now, few people have said he was comparatively boring. But here's the thing. He wasn't a traditional speaker. I mean, he's not a bad speaker. But as a spotlight, big stage speaker, in comparison to all the other people that were there, he wasn't as animated. I hope you like the pun. I hope you noticed that. Now, if you remember what I said about Inbound 17, my day one recap is when you go to these things, it's important to leave behind the veil of judgment and be open as much as possible when it comes to learning. And I feel that I did that. There was a couple of, there weren't a lot, but there were a couple of lessons I took away from there that I thought was so powerful. And I really want to share them with you. Without a doubt, the favorite thing for me was when he said, um, Pixar was having its, its successes, right? Its early successes. And he would ask himself, how much of that success was from me? How much of that success do I take credit for? And it's easy to ask yourself that, especially when you're working in a truly talented and high-performing team, as many of us have. You've got this talented dude and this that talented gal and you know, you've got all these talented people around you. It's very easy to fall into imposter syndrome. And, you know, by the way, Ed is no um, imposter. He is at the helm of Pixar. But Ed says that's a bad thing. It's a natural thing to sometimes happen, but it's a bad question to ask. You know, where is my, how much of that success was based on me? You need to stop that thought in its tracks because it's an act of separation. It's an act of separation between you and the high-performing team. A key theme this year that came up in Ed's talk and also in Brian's keynote and also Piera Gelardi, uh, if I've said her name properly, who's the co-founder and creative director of Refinery29, was giving your teams the absolute confidence to share and say what's on their mind, to have a comfortable environment where people don't feel like if they open their mouth, to compl- it's going to sound like a complaint or it's going to be interpreted as a whine. And he mentioned that as well. It was a very interesting observation from me to see that the top minds this year spoke a lot about that, letting people speak and and, and not having that, that judgment, I guess. Okay, let's move to what was my favorite of day four, and I'm sure a lot of people at Inbound 17 was Rand Fishkin, a.k.a. The Wizard of Moz, a.k.a. Best haircut in the entire building, dude. Rand, of course, is the founder of Moz. Moz is the biggest SEO software tool on the planet, if you have not heard. And they are likely one of the most trusted, if not the most trusted, unofficial Google authority when it comes to all things SEO. Now, he comes, I think, every single year. And he's not only my favorite, but a lot of people who I speak to as well. It's truly one of those unmissable sessions at Inbound. So if you go back next year and he's there, you're very fortunate and you've got to check it out. 
He shared a link to his slides as well. And I love when speakers do that, by the way. Like they're presenting and they say, look, you can get my slides at da 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 right away. So if you want to check out his slides, they're at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash giant muck. That's giant muck. If you're a marketer, by definition, this presentation is for you. It's a breath of fresh air. If it doesn't resonate with you and you're a marketer, then there is something seriously wrong with you. Rand's talk was titled, The Invisible Giant That Mucks Up Our Marketing. And it's at its core questioned and challenged a lot of the misconceptions and cultural problems with marketing that are rarely talked about. Outside of this, I don't think I've heard some of the stuff he spoke about. So, okay, Moby, spit it out. What did he speak about? As a bit of a pretext to marketing culture, he also spoke about culture and norms. I'm really glad he did. So, for instance, he spoke about the retaliation or judgment towards young men who were deemed feminine. And at a conference where Michelle Obama, Piera uh, Gelati, and so many other women spoke for women, and rightly so, spoke for women and female empowerment, and standing up for uh, female rights in the workplace, those messages didn't really resonate with uh, a lot of men who, you know, for whatever reason may feel marginalized or or different because they're not the typical male. So that was really, really good for him to talk about that. As a heterosexual, self-confessed rather, effeminate boy growing up who played with Barbie dolls, who is the world to tell him that he's strange or different? So yay for both girl and boy power this year at Inbound. So Rand transitioned from that kind of macro cultural conditioning problem, you know, the whole boys being effeminate and that being a problem, to marketing cultural conditioning problems. And he did that a lot more seamlessly than you would think, but he did. The first thing he spoke about was marketing culture leads us to believe investments must be measurable. Just pause for a second. Of course, marketing supposed to be measurable it's all measurable now but he said uh, 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 that's actually holding us back a lot of the times we have a bias towards trackable mediums however this is a very very flawed bias so yes you have your staples like ppc you know google adwords social media advertising email etc but he threw a question up and he said what if those channels are easy to measure because the more measurable they are the more money powerful corporations make from us. The takeaway is you need to set an X percentage budget to those hard to measure marketing channels, be they social, be they events, and even PR. What he's essentially saying is just because they're trackable doesn't mean we need to throw all our money there. Of course, it still makes a part of your marketing mix, but set aside a budget for things that are harder to track. It doesn't mean they're impossible to track. There's still tools you can use, and I'll list some of them here. Fresh Web Explorer, uh, Talk Water, or Mention, and you can use those to track media mentions for things like events and PR. Even Google Trends has improved greatly since probably the last time you checked it out with more granular filters you can apply, like geography and time, you know, how what happened during this period where we ran uh, a campaign on X, you know, you can use that now. The second thing one was marketing culture leads us to believe channels must be ROI positive. Heavily related to the first one. Consider Whiteboard Friday, right? So these are these videos that Moz, ran, ran from Moz did. They started them years ago, back in 20, 2008, where 
Rand or someone in uh, from his team would stand in front of a whiteboard and would teach us a SEO marketing concept armed with his marker and his whiteboard. Now, they're still running. They're still really, really good. And I highly recommend you kind of add them to your learning mix. So in 2008, it was their worst performing blog post each and every week. Imagine if they cut that in 2008. Whiteboard Friday today by far is their most powerful and profitable medium for the Moz company. In 2017, it is their best performing content piece each and every week. They've got a huge following on it now and they cannot see a, a, a situation where they're not running this. The takeaway here is focus on potential and measure against trajectory. He's not saying throw ROI out the window. What he's saying, there needs to be hero elements of your marketing that are focused on potential. Now, let me give you a personal example. When Inbound Buzz first launched, I'd be lucky to get 20 people to listen to it a week. Now, within releasing an episode, that happens in a matter of hours. But I was measuring against the growth. I was slowly but surely, I could see there was potential there and there was an upwards trend. The third thing he flagged was marketing culture leads us to believe marketers need to be technical. And I loved what he did. Like he's really going against the grain here. There's this huge pressure for marketers to keep up and know everything about everything, even on the technical side. And for each one of these marketing cultural issues he raised, he actually references all these articles that the root of the problem like reputable sources like Forbes and Inc and these for me they seem to be increasingly clickbaity and you know they say things like every marketer should be technical and 50% of new marketing hires will be technical so Rand says no there are some basics that are, are a good idea and yes there are a minimum number of skills you need to be have but you don't need to be a software developer as some of these articles would have you believe he actually lists these things, and again, you need to check out his um, actual slide deck for some of these. He says, you need to be able to scan basic HTML. That's a good idea. You know, the ability to kind of jump in to the back end and say, okay, you know, that's a body tag, that's a head tag. Um, scan it, right? You don't have to know how to write it. Be handy with Excel and pull data into Excel using tools. Insert code snippets using GTM, Google Tag Manager. I've spoken about this in previous episodes where... Google Tag Manager is a marketer's dream. All you need to do is load, get someone to load code into the site once. And then anytime you need to add like conversion code or you have a new, new tool like Hotjar or you have to add Facebook code, you just go in the back end and you say deploy and it deploys it on your site. So use these tools, use them at your disposal. Use tools to audit websites to find technical issues. And Moz does some of this. You know, you can use tools like Moz to see what the technical issues are with your website from an SEO perspective. A cool resource he shared that you can use to pick up some basic said skills was noexcuselist.com. Their tagline is the best place on the web to learn anything free. And if you're like me and you love a good resource, then this is definitely one you should check out. And this one's recommended by the Wizard of Moz himself. There were also three to four other cultural marketing myths he spoke about, which yes, you may have guessed it, I'll be talking about in coming weeks of future Inbound Buzz episodes. And some of these, I guess, myths, marketing myths or problems he spoke about was SEO versus PPC. The myth of Google rankings, you know, links, keywords, and technical issues. Um, the idea that organic reach on Facebook ended in 2014. That's a real interesting one because we all feel that. The idea that content marketing means publishing 
on your website. So stay tuned. So from Rand Fishkin to someone very different indeed, Mr. John Cena, he did the closing keynote at Inbound. And this was honestly one of the coolest ways to end a conference. Um, I mean, not only for me, but a lot of people, like I, I felt like a little kid again, it's like, oh my God, John Cena. Um, it was obviously less marketing lessons, although there were definitely a couple there for sure. Like John compared to most of the WWE recognized that they weren't in the wrestling business. These guys were in the entertainment business. You know, he understood the idea of understanding who your audience is. When they expanded to China, I think, like this guy learned the Chinese language and even like dropped like a sentence or two in Mandarin, which is crazy. But it was more around life lessons, a lot of the inspirational stories that he had to share. A couple of them really resonated with me. One was loss is important. Failure is important. You need to feel like losing to experience and appreciate the flip side. Taking ownership of what, you know, even if it wasn't your fault, you know, taking ownership of what you could have done differently or what you could have, uh, what you'd learn for next time, analyzing your errors and going from there. So that was really, really cool. You know, using loss as an opportunity, seeing the silver lining. This is stuff I know, we know, we hear all the time. But in the context of inbound, after learning all these things, there are a lot of businesses there. There are a lot of people there who've gone through the highs and lows of business. Honestly, it was the perfect way to end a conference. The other thing that I loved, he said, was don't reflect too long on a performance. Now, we're not all wrestlers. A performance could be a job. It could be a contract. It could be a project, whatever it is. The longer you reflect on a performance, you're taking a break from moving forward. Now, the obvious one is don't reflect on something bad that happened, right? Move forward, put it behind you, and keep going. Think to the future. There is nothing you can change about the past that doesn't define you. But this also stands true for good things that happen. It's not to suggest not to celebrate when something good happens, but rather not to rest on your laurels. Say, because the thing too, like ego and hubris does play a part in how hard people work. So the idea here is something happens, something great happened, awesome, that's great. What can we do to improve? What can we do to better and take anything that we're doing to the next level? So that's it, guys. That is the last of our pop-up interviews for Inbound 17. The last one was two weeks after, but I hope you got something of value nonetheless. We'll be back to our regular episodes next week. And if you want to catch up from days one through to four, you should definitely do so. I've embedded all the episodes on redpandas.com.au forward slash inbound 17. And the coverage of inbound 17 is not over. So one of the things you can do is actually on YouTube, and I'm sure you can Google this or check out HubSpot's or inbound's uh, YouTube channels, you can check out a lot of the keynotes that were at Inbound. So Brian Halligan and Damesh Shah's keynote from DC is already there. Um, there's a bunch of others that are already there. But also over the next couple of weeks from yours truly, I'll be releasing some of the special interviews we did. And we did interviews with Seros, we did interviews with CoreRail, Do Inbound, Vidyard, and of course, the one and only Marcus Sheridan. I know you're going to love that. So don't get anywhere. Let's squeeze the inbound 17 lemon dry for as long as we can. All right, guys. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the coverage. And if you did, please hit me up on Twitter at Moby Sadiq and let me know. And let me know what you'd like to see maybe next time.
I hope you have a fantastic week ahead and I'll catch you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz.